Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In this consumer credit risk management space, there's just so many things happening. So I think there's a greater need for people to understand what's going on. I was talking about this with one colleague not long ago. 25 years ago, when we first accessed the internet, people were hungry for knowledge. These days, when you think about the explosion of information available, but people are still hungry for knowledge. It's a, I think the need is always there. Uh, and uh, also, I think every generation is our responsibility to transfer knowledge, right? So the book is one format, but there are many other formats. I'm still on the journey to learn how to leverage new formats. Frank Tian is the author of Unsecured Lending Risk Management, a book whose content overlaps neatly with this show's remit. So if ever there was a case of no further introduction required, this must be it. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Frank Tian, author of Unsecured Lending Risk Management, which I have right here on my bookshelf. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Brad. Glad to be here. This is going to be one of those episodes I can see already where the primary challenge is going to be deciding what parts of your extensive career and body of work we focus in on. So before we make those difficult choices, could you maybe just spend a few minutes giving us the very high level description of your career in credit risk strategy and kind of what's brought you to where you are today? Sure, sure. I'm a credit risk specialist having two decades experience in the field for retail lending products for various banks and non-bank institutions covering bank cards, retail cards, credit, personal loans, fintech loans, overdraft. The first 14 years in Canada, the most recent seven years in the United States. Yeah, my specialty is really to help businesses navigate through different phases uh, in the economic environment through proper and sound credit risk strategies. Yeah, so you mentioned there's sort of different economic challenges and a number of changes obviously are happening around us at the moment. We've seen the industry evolve over the last 20 years. But again, we stand sort of on the edge of some more dramatic changes. You've seen what's happened in the past. You've seen it from a number of different angles, you know, within big organizations, smaller ones, different parts of the credit life cycle. And that's probably given you a rather unique and definitely a very valuable view of some of the mechanics behind the scenes. There's other people that have been in a similar position, other people who've worked as long in lending risk management as you have. But what sets you aside from all those others is that you decided to sit down and consolidate all these things that you've learned from all these different viewpoints into a book. I'm quite interested in that process. What motivated you to write Unsecured Lending Risk Management? And for those of us that are in the field and, and would maybe like to give it a read, what sort of topics have you gathered into that publication? Yeah, so how the book idea got started is really 
once you work in the industry for a while, you began to receive some questions from your colleagues. And often in time, those questions are the same questions <laughs> coming up. So then, then I thought about this. So why this is happening? One thing for sure is that the knowledge of credit risk management is not taught in school. So usually you learn through、uh, practices. But also over the years, the structure is flatter, right? So there's one large bank I work for. They adopted the blueprint from a top consulting company, right? So they make one manager managing six, seven direct reports. I think some of the audiences they can probably relate.、Uh, it's very demanding for the manager, you know, doing your day job, but also you manage the work of six, seven people. So what I have observed is development responsibilities somehow get lost from the. Management responsibilities in some places, the managers become more project manager instead of staff manager. Then that brings the question: How do you develop yourself? So you are really on your own. So you need some、uh, opportunities, materials for yourself. Then after the great financial crisis, big banks they retreat from the below prime unbanked segments. Then fintechs they move in. So all in all, so inside the traditional banks outside. You create a lot of demands for talents, and all those talents they need to possess the business knowledge, and it's not only for risk folks, right? It's also for product marketing, even legal compliance, auditing. Just for myself, I began to receive so many questions that I said, "Okay, I should put it in the Q and A, but that list will be pretty long." Then I said, "Okay, maybe it's time to put it in the book, right, in a more structured way." Yeah, and I can see that happening because obviously we also are going through or have been through a Big spike up in in the value and the usage of data, and when you're working with data, you can sort of put almost anything in a model, and you、mm. just see what the model says, and and you listen to it. But the flip side of that is that you can create a team of specialists who really understand what to feed the model, but haven't had sight of the business side of actually how these. Different bits fit together, and and as you said, this is not just about risk modeling, but understanding how those all connect together and influence ultimately the the losses. Because in the end, yeah, it's about growing the business, and there's many ways that we can do that better. I can see why the book's valuable today. I can also see why, as we become more and more specialized, it's going to be even more valuable in the future. Yeah, Brandon, you are exactly right. The book is really to provide that business context for diverse stakeholders. In my book, there's no technical language because I think those things they tend to evolve over time. When I started, is a SaaS, right? And now it's a Python, R, machine learning, right? AI models. Those are all great, but the fundamental of the products,、uh, the business model, they don't change that much. Yeah, and that's、um, unsecured lending risk management, a practitioner's guide. I got it very easily on Amazon. It's not very hard to find, so people should definitely go and have a look at that. But also, I see that you're delivering a highly rated, in fact, I think the top rated course on the subject on Udemy. So clearly, giving back to the community is a core part of your personal philosophy. Let's stick on this idea of lessons learned and lessons shared for a moment. We're currently staring down the barrel of some very tough economic times to come, but we've also just come through the COVID pandemic, which. Was an opportunity to test a number of things, to stress test a number of things, and and to learn a number of lessons. So now that we're out of that crisis and before we enter the next one, what lessons did you take from our communal time in lockdown? Yeah, if I think beyond the credit topic, we begin to realize it's really important to help each other, to carry each other through, to preserve the human capital. I think that's the most important thing. 
the well-being of physical health, you know, mental health, and then financial health. It's amazing that uh, across the globe, people come together. Over time, people might forget, but I do hope that uh, we remember this reason we banded together and went through the toughest period. Why interesting is that uh, although many actions are well-intentioned, there are some uh, unintended consequences along the way, right? We made uh, some calls, but not necessarily right. So my lesson from this is uh, we really need to stay humble. As much as uh, we would like to think we are experts, specialists, but there are many things we don't know, right? Things are interconnected right now. So you put one string, it might trigger something else. So we need to be critical about uh, what we hear, right? What we read. Uh, we need to be critical about our own beliefs. Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. And as big a shock as that pandemic was, we went into that at least with a pretty solid economic footing. Now that we've come through the other side, when you look at the portfolios that you're seeing in Canada or in the USA, how strong is it? Where are its weaknesses? What are the things that you are seeing as notable? Yeah, the market definitely develops pretty fast <laughs> with uh, some uh, unexpected events. But one main theme this year is the interest rate. Because that drives the pricing cost of many lending products. And what influences the interest rate is really first the inflation, the other one's the unemployment rate. The good news is uh, in the US and Canada, the inflation has uh, peaked. From the six months ago, they gradually come down. Inflation, uh, US is right now is uh, around 6%. Inflation in Canada is just about 5%. For the unemployment rate, both countries have the numbers at uh, historically low. So good fundamentals. So the interest rate hike period probably is near the end. That's a signal from the latest uh, Fed meeting. Actually, Canada already paused once in March meeting as well. But obviously, we will see some uh, credit normalizations, which means the all the risk matrix will go up because we saw that uh, the early stage roll rate began to trend up. But again, when you look at the trajectory, it just goes back to uh, three years ago, right before the pandemic. So I think fundamentally, it's still sound. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I think, as you said, you know, we saw a lot of interest rate rises, and that remains the core headline. But hopefully, the worst of that is behind us. Of course, interest rate rises and, and inflation are both cumulative. So yeah, a 5% rise is now on top of a 10% rise from the other year. But hopefully, yeah, the worst is uh, behind us. Now, I'm perhaps belaboring this sort of pre-COVID, post-COVID comparison as a script device today, but I'll do it once more. One of the defining products to come out of lockdown seems to be buy now, pay later. But post-pandemic, it's a sector that's had a swift reckoning with many of the headlines now saying it's all but dead. What do you think? Is there still a role for buy now, pay later to play? Or do you think this is a product that's going to essentially sort of wash itself out of the system? Buy now, pay later is becoming an important part of the overall credit ecosystem. But what we really are seeing is the divergence of different players. On one hand, you have the original no underwriting, no credit reporting buy now, pay later. That's that. They probably shouldn't start that way in the yeah. first place, uh, right? So you, you need to do the proper fundamental things. On the other hand, you have the uh, more responsible binopulator players. My message to them, if you are doing the right thing, you should uh, scream that, right? On yeah. top yeah. of the roof, right? You tell people all the right thing you are doing, so differentiate yourself. So pure players, they begin to either retreat right from the secondary market or they pivot into banks, right? So to cross out some other 
products, leverage their uh, strong tech to really match the merchandise with the consumers to continue to provide a value beyond the simple credit function because the competition is just too fierce over there. Then you have the traditional players, card issuers, card networks, they work together to provide the similar functions at POS or even post-authorization. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, the core takeaways of consumers value transparency rather than, you know, what can be a really complicated model in the credit card world. And two, it's that targeted ability. I want to put this one thing onto a payment plan, not necessarily, you know, my whole month's worth of credit card spend. And those can be moved around into many different products, those concepts. They're obviously interest-free is a huge selling point in the buy now, pay later space. But we see many other products that suggest consumers are willing to pay for that sort of convenience. So I don't think having to charge an interest rate is that big a deal. Mm -hmm. But of course, these models that are built on free to the consumer, interest-free if you pay all four months, those are now, because of those interest rate pressures you've already mentioned, really hard to justify. Not impossible. You know, on this show, I've interviewed buy now, pay laters from South Africa where low interest rates are already you know, in the teens. So there is a way to make it work, but yeah, much harder now that rates are rising. You know, we've seen these rising rates impact other players. And I guess most notably, we've seen pressure from the rising rates be one of the reasons that Silicon Valley Bank had its collapse. We've seen Signature Bank collapse. We've seen Credit Suisse fall here. Not all of them because of interest rates, but, you know, a lot of banks now being seriously looked at and the value of the assets that they hold, particularly where they're holding bonds and things that are interest rate related, being called into question. If you look at that region in North America, what are your thoughts on the sort of developing banking crisis and, and where we might end up? Yeah, there are just so many angles to uh, look at uh, this crisis from banking systems, regulations, risk management, deposit insurance. But I think uh, this... Uh, will give the smaller banks a wake-up call. So they need to think about long-term what their business strategy is. If the industry is uh, volatile in nature and uh, you quickly develop yourself, become a dominant force, you enjoy the success of the industry at the same time, uh, you tie yourself with the industry. So when the industry goes uh, downturn, you are going down with that. Crypto is one example for the signature bank. Uh, it's it's uh, too new, too volatile. But of course, there's always the management factor. If you manage well, you can reduce risk, but uh, you wouldn't eliminate that risk completely. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The other thing I like to comment is uh, what's the impact to the uh, consumers? 
Some estimate that uh, the impact is equivalent to at least the 100 bips rate increase. So for consumers, you are not subject to another 100 bips increase anymore. You can really enjoy the pulse of the interest rate. In Canada, there's a lot of variable rate mortgages. The same in the UK. Oh, same in the UK. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that, that means that will be actual savings of dollars for consumers. But because of the general credit condition will contract, people on the margin, they might not enjoy the credit they could enjoy before. Yeah. And I think you raise an interesting point there because often, you know, the gap between what's happening on Wall Street and what's happening on the high street is mentioned in terms of wealth creation that you know, Wall Street can be booming for years and the man on the street isn't actually doing any better. Whereas here, that gap has actually been a bit of a buffer. So Wall Street can lose a few bips and uh, most people, that doesn't make any real difference. You know, these things, you do sometimes want a bit of pressure to get out the system and as long as it's not contagion and continued collapse. So hopefully, yes, we've not been through a good time post-COVID, but if we can get through this, hopefully more stable and uh, better times to come. And let's sort of keep on that sort of future looking side of things and, and maybe move past the gloom a bit. Frank, we spoke a little bit earlier about you know, using more AI in this space. We have just seen GPT-4 being released, OpenAI's deep learning system, and that at times seems to be in every single headline out there. What are your thoughts on the impact of these generative AI systems? Actually, in my book, uh, this was written two and a half years ago. Uh, the number one future trend I mentioned is automation. The number two thing I mentioned is explainable AI. But when I talk about AI, that was only narrowly focused on the modeling, also risk strategy. I didn't imagine that uh, right now the tool is available for much bigger scope. I think this is great. I think this is a breakthrough technology. Our labor productivity is stagnant. It doesn't grow very much, almost to zero. We really need some tools to help us. The tool has its drawback, like accuracy, so some security issue. But I believe we can all work on that over time. Once you develop a risk model, you need to also to write a pretty lengthy model document, right? <laughs> For your model vetting team. I can imagine they can turn your model output into a decent uh, document, probably in no time. I think that's a great one because anyone who's worked yeah, in the practical side of modeling knows the model documentation. It's the last thing. It's after a long and, and difficult project. Somebody's lost their enthusiasm. It's always something that, that falls down. And yeah, it's not glamorous, but that often is a part of the job is just trying to understand somebody else's code. Those little things are also big benefits freeing up productivity. You don't need somebody with a, a master's or a PhD in statistics to be sitting there writing the uh, the documentation for their code. If the machine can do that, they can be doing things that actually use their real skills. So yeah, so some of these benefits of AI are not always going to be the fun and glamorous ones in the headline, but some of these dull tasks to, to be done better. Yeah, I think this really will free the workforce from the repetitive work, the uh, low-value tasks. That means it will raise the capability of uh, our workforce. That's exactly what we need because we have a less percentage of uh, work age population. So they started before the COVID, right? It will continue yeah. to be so. So I think with the AI tool, uh, this can really help us produce more, right? Create a bigger pie for all of us. So uh, that's good for the economy, for the society. Frank, I know you're very busy. So thank you so much for your time here. You're doing so many different things. I see you've just published a new book, but what else are you working on? 
Yeah, these days, beside the、uh, day job, I do want to put more time to create more contents. As we just talked about, right? There's just so many things happening in this、uh, consumer credit risk management space. So I think there's a greater need for people to understand what's going on. I was talking about this with、uh, one colleague 25 years ago when we first accessed the internet. People were hungry for knowledge. These days, when you think about、uh, the explosion of information available, but、uh, people are still hungry for knowledge. <laughs> It's、uh, I think the need is、uh, always there uh, and. Uh, Also, I think every generation is our responsibility to transfer knowledge. So the book is one format, but there are many other formats. Your podcast is a great format. Social media is another format. I'm still on the journey to learn how to leverage new formats. Right. So my goal is to impact 1,000 people each year through the various forms of. And、um, if people want to participate in that, they want to share some of that knowledge. They want to see what you're up to. Where are some good places for them to find you? They can visit my website franktian.net, or you can find me、uh, on LinkedIn. Just search franktian risk. So <laughs> you should be able to find me. Perfect. I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Finally, before I let you go, though. Yeah, you're talking about content creation there, and obviously that's a big part of the modern economy. If people are listening, maybe they're in the credit space, but maybe they're just in a different niche. But they also want to share back some of the knowledge they've created. They want to build some content and get more engaged in their communities. What are some lessons learned, some tips maybe for them that you've picked up along the way? Of my first advice is everyone has something unique to contribute. No two leaves are the same. Everyone has its own unique thinking, unique take, and、uh, that could be valuable to others. Last、uh, Christmas, my son's school they had this、uh, holiday party, right? So all the kids they perform on stage. So I was sitting beside another parent. She could sing along with every piece of music, not only English but also French ones. I have no idea about those songs, but、uh, she's really enjoying herself. Then towards the end, the music piece is the uh, uh, the coughing dance. Then the lady said, "Hmm, I never heard this music." Well, I said this is the only music I know is the coffin dance. So I explained, you know, what it's about. Then I said you should look it up on YouTube. So <laughs> one person cannot know everything, but you always know a little bit of something that uh, uh, other people uh, could find uh, useful. Uh, you don't necessarily need to write a book, right? So there are many different forms today for you to express yourself. Write a, a simple LinkedIn post, right? So 100 words, 200 words. Or you can shoot a quick one-minute, you know, TikTok video or YouTube short. Just start something small. When you create more contents, identify yourself. So that's that's what what I have learned. I think that's the biggest benefit for myself. Yeah, I think that's a great message because one, yes, everybody does have something unique to share, and two, it takes a long time, but the value is often to yourself. And I, I mean, I feel a lot of that. The same for the show that you know. Talking to the different people in the industry in different segments of the industry helps me to think through what I'm doing and helps me to get my ideas into order. Yeah, the next step onwards from that is is worrying about an audience and and growth on that front. There, so thank you very much. I think that's a very positive message to to end on. And Frank, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. I've、uh, yeah had a great chat. Yeah, great to be on the show. Thanks for the invitation, Brandon. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show. On your favorite podcast platform, and share the updates widely on LinkedIn. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan Lagrange, in Brighton, England, 
Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show, and I'll see you again next Thursday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.